Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Yes, that's been fixed. We apologize for the delay yesterday. Problem on their end. Also, we are on... The Five Reasons YouTube channel. You may be watching us on a stream because sometimes we go stream to pod, and that's what we're doing tonight. Make sure you like and subscribe. Lots of Dolphins content up there over the past week. So make sure if you're a Dolphins fan, you want to be subscribed there. Also, check out fivereasonsports.com. Spell that one out for the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk, the latest columns from Mateo Miorga, and much more without a paywall. We do not charge you like the newspapers do. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes our friends over at Mobile C-Arm and Staffing Services. That's Mobile C-Arm and Staffing Services. You can see it right there. There's the phone number, 561-891-9620. That's 561-891-9620. Reach out to Nelson and his team. What do they do? They provide, they they rent out the C-Arm equipment on a short and long-term basis to hospital, surgery centers, chiropractic offices, and pain management offices. They also offer the cadaver lab courses. Reach out to Nelson, huge Miami Heat fan. Trust me on this one. He's also just a really good dude. They do a really good job. If you work for a hospital or anywhere in the medical space, doctor's office, reach out to Nelson and get the equipment that you need. 561-891-9620 or go to the website. Again, it's Mobile C-Arm and Staffing Services. I'm going to give you the website here one more time. C-armandstaffing.com. Fill out the form. They'll get right back to you. And now, today's episode. Down the biscuit. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Check the floor plan. Got an all van. Y'all seen the block. Stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and Five Reasons Sports. we got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Make sure you check out the episode that I did with Sean Rochester after a big win uh, over the Memphis Grizzlies. No John Morant, obviously no Brandon Clark. A little bit shorthanded, but the Heat did what we never thought they could do. They scored 138 points. They won pretty much easily going away. Didn't have to bring Jimmy Butler back. We know the episode didn't post right away because of some trouble on Apple Podcasts. So make sure that you catch it because Sean and I went through a whole bunch of things that we liked in that game, even though obviously it needs to be sustained. But the biggest thing that needs to be sustained is, Alex, the Heat shot the ball really well. And that was an outlier from this entire season. Okay, you had... First thing, Tyler Hero shot seven of eight inside the arc. Jimmy Butler got to the line consistently. Bam, I think, made 10 out of 15 shots. 15 is the number. That's that magic number that he was hitting before the All-Star break that he stopped hitting in terms of field goal attempts. They also got really good shooting from Kyle Lowry and Gabe Vincent, which is something that's almost never happened in the same game this year. Max Struess made a couple of shots. They shot the ball really well, particularly inside the arc, although outside the arc, even not on high volume, they shot the ball well there too. 
but it is an extension of a trend. Like, it's not like it's an outlier in the sense that they're not shooting better lately. They are. It's just that they shot really, really well in this game. And we've talked about shooting being the single biggest problem with this team this year. What are the numbers? Why are, and, and then we'll get to why they're shooting better. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, it's funny because we all kind of tongue-in-cheek headed into the month of March saying, well, you know, March is starting. Things are going to start to resolve themselves. And and I really did not think it was going to happen. I, I've said this whole season, I don't think they're going to have a stretch. And I even, I'm pretty sure I specifically said, I don't think the, the shooting is just going to magically come up in March. Well, that's exactly what's happened, right? And now, you know, it's not so much magical. I just think they're kind of, they've been, kind of been due, right? So even if they're not a good or great shooting team, you know, I, I think the natural progression to the mean has been happening. So the question is whether they sustain it or not, but the actual stats are, you know, in the month of March, they have the seventh highest offensive rating. It's very close. So, you know, you could say probably top 10 is more accurate and then 11th uh, highest offensive rating in the half court. So that's one thing right after kind of being in the, bottom seven all season in those in those aspects then when you talk about their actual shooting they're shooting almost 40 percent from three it's about 39.6 percent which is six in the month of march obviously an elite number um under 34 percent for the rest of the season so that's already a huge um you know uptick by itself then you know to top it off they're a team that's been very good in the mid-range, whether you talk about volume, whether you talk about accuracy, that's gone up by about three percentage. They're shooting just under 48% in the mid-range. And just to be clear, that counts anything that's not at the rim and not a three. So that includes any floaters, anything in the short mid-range, which is particularly where the heat thrive. And then at the rim, another place where they, ha where they haven't been good, they're not necessarily taking more shots at the rim. They're just kind of finishing at a higher clip. They're shooting about three and a half, four percent better than what they have all season. And it's about middle of the pack in the month of March, which is also in itself a bit of an uptick because they've been in the bottom 10 there. So they're kind of shooting just about better from just about everywhere. And I think nothing has changed much with their shot profile. I, I just think they know what type of shots they want to get. I think they've gotten better at picking and choosing. And look, I think they've gotten better at just kind of moving the ball. And like I said, the progression to the mean is happening now i just don't know how long this sticks but i also have um the player shooting splits here so we can go by those and uh you know i'm gonna start with kyle here because duncan has the highest but he's barely played so i'm not even gonna count him kyle is shooting 54 percent from three in the month of march caleb is shooting 50 percent in the month of march from three jimmy shooting 43 percent tyler shooting 40 uh depot actually shooting 40 uh surprisingly enough Max Struess shooting 36.6% from three this month. And Gabe, 33. Kevin Love, 28. Which actually feels like they would be higher. But, yeah, that's that about sums up where everything is coming from. Well, that's not bad. I mean, look, Struess being at 36%, it doesn't sound like much, but he's been at 33% for the season. Uh, Gabe also is up a little bit, even though 33% doesn't sound great. What gets me about all of this is that they're doing this, even though it's not like they've really inserted more shooters into the rotation or the lineup. Like, yeah, Kevin Love was supposed to be that guy in the starting lineup that was added, and he's shooting 28% from three. So it's And it's not like they've added Duncan Robinson to the lineup regularly because, you know, he's had a couple of games he's played, a couple of games he's been out for various reasons, and other games he's just out of the rotation entirely. So it's not really a personnel change. It's not. It's just shots starting to go down. I think what you're talking about, though, with, like, they like the shots they're getting now. I thought they liked the shots they were getting most of the season. Like, we, we've talked about, you know, the number of open shots that they've got. 
and how many they've missed in comparison to other teams. And that's been the single biggest problem this year. I mean, we can talk about size and rebounding and the fact that they don't know what to do in transition and all of that. The single biggest problem is they've gotten a ton of open shots they don't make. And those open, that becomes demoralizing. That leads to breaks the other way. That leads to lack of trust. Then the process starts to go away offensively. So I don't know if this is sustainable. I just think it's odd that they're all shooting better at once, right? Like, that's, you know, I, they say shooting is contagious, but it doesn't feel like there's a much better feeling around the team. It doesn't, it, like you said, they won five out of seven. It doesn't feel like that. Like, I, when I heard that today, I was like, they won five out of seven? Right, because they got they had the one blowout in there where they didn't play particularly well. Um, but I, I guess let's go through it specifically, okay? You talk about some of the players. Kyle looks healthier. Um, and, and it has felt like some of these shots that he's taking were the kinds of shots he didn't want to take during the stretch. He wasn't playing particularly well, and we talked about how the offense would collapse because the ball would come out to Kyle and he wouldn't want to do anything with it. He's taking those shots now, so that's good. Jimmy taking a bunch of threes is not the thing, but him getting to the line consistently then sets up things for other people. Bam seems to be getting back to his spots a little bit more. That's good. The single biggest thing that I liked in the game yesterday, and Sean and I talked about that, other than the, the Butler's early free throws, was Tyler doing work inside the three. And and that, to me, I know Spolster wants him to shoot more threes. You and I were both there the other night where we said, you know, he, he shot 10, I wish he would shoot more. I want him to get to his mid-range spots more often, like to find a way to work through the defense to do it. He did it last night. I think I agree with you, but it's also such a weird place that they put him in this season. And I, I know I've mentioned this before. I just think like ideally his role is playing off the ball, providing the shooting leverage and gravity for the best players on the team. And I think he does that to a certain degree. Um, with the starters, it's not like he's always on ball. He's the one running the offense the entire time or anything like that. But yeah, like I, I, you think of him as a three-level scorer, but we know in reality he takes now, you know, this season, the bulk of his shots from three. He he doesn't take quite as many in the mid-range as he did last season, but still a good amount, and he's still good from there. And then the other, the actual problem is that they need him to be one of the guys to create rim pressure, and that's not necessarily his strength. But because of the way the, the roster is constructed, you don't have guys who can get into the paint consistently, right? Especially if you're not going to be playing Victor Oladipo like they didn't play last night. That just takes away another option. Not that he's been getting to the rim seamlessly or anything like that. But I just think they, you know, they need Tyler to be at least touching paint more often. It's not that they need him taking a bunch of layups. Like, it's not going to be there a lot of times. But, you know, other than when he's getting run off the line, I just think they kind of need him to be that three-level scorer and to figure out that balance between um, being the off-ball player and being the on-ball dynamic three-level scorer. I, I think there's a little bit of a burden there where he kind of has to play both roles. And, you know, that's kind of the burden of, well, you got paid and all these other guys weren't making their shots all season. So now you got to help, you know, you got to help make up for that as the starter and as the third best player on the team. So I agree with you. I think um, if there's easier ones to be had in the mid-range, take them. I think they kind of need a little bit of everything from him right now because it's kind of where the team has been on offense. And, you know, even though we're sitting here talking about how the threes have been falling and they're just offensively a lot crisper when it comes to their actual shot making, no matter what part of the court they're on. The other things, and I know I, I've, I've said this on Winnow too on our off the floor feed, which everybody should subscribe to, 305 a month. Of course, winnow.app slash five on the floor. Anyways, what I was saying was... <laughs> 
um, yeah, super smooth plug, right? No, I'm always I'm always good with the plugs. That's fine. Yeah, but um, I, I do think they've got to sharpen up on all the other things that, that they've actually been pretty good at all season, right? I, I think the okay. defensive rebounding in the month of March is 25th, which is really bad con- considering they've been top five all year in defensive rebound percentage. I, I, so wanna, I, wanna stop gotta go up. I, I want to stop you there because I'm going to cycle back to Tyler after we go, but I just want to mention one thing because you mentioned the defensive rebounding has gone down. It's gone down since Kevin Love showed up and I'm not blaming this on Kevin Love, but I'm, I'm sort of throwing this at fans. Because fans always have this attitude that just get the bigger guy to play next to Bam and the rebounding will be better. And the reality, Alex, is, and I don't want to dwell on this a lot, but it's something I've been wanting to say. The re- reality is the rebounding was better with Caleb Morgan starting at the four. Correct? Yeah, I mean, that's factually true. Now, I, I don't no. think that necessarily has to hold up. I think a lot of it had to do with the lackluster effort that the Heat were giving for points there, especially post-All-Star break. There was just a lot of really weird quarters you know, team scoring all over them. So I think it's corrected itself a little bit. Maybe if I, you know, whittle it down to the past week or so, those numbers are up a bit. But regardless, they've got to get back to their ways with the defensive boards. They've got to get back to their ways taking care of the ball because that's really fallen off a cliff as well. Noted that their turnover percentage went from like, you know, top 10 all season to uh, 26 in turnover percentage in the month of March. And then- But they might have a fix for that that, too. Yeah, and on top of that, their defense has not been, has not been sharp. So it's just like the, the shots are falling, but everything else is good at They haven't found that balance yet. Okay, but but let me stop you again there before I cycle back to to Tyler. The turnover percentage is something that could be corrected by Kyle Lowry playing the minutes he's playing now and Victor Oladipo not playing those minutes because the biggest contributor to the turnover percentage increase has been, I mean, let's just, I mean, Victor pounding the ball <laughs> into the ground and then making these passes at people's feet like that has been i mean the number one addition has been a kyle out and so for those of us who've been critical of kyle the one thing i did say was one thing he could help with is to settle them down and bring the turnovers down so they may have a fix there playing love lex less i mean i'm not saying that's the direct correlation but that could lead to better rebounding honestly because i don't feel i know i was sold on him still being a really good rebounder when he came from cleveland for whatever reason, it hasn't worked yet. Again, some of that was Bam not being as engaged. So you're right. And, and there were other things that were going on. Um, and defensively, I mean, some of that is the fact that they're playing worse defenders at times than they were before. I mean, love being among them. Uh, but we saw Haywood Highsmith get back up five minutes yesterday in place of Yurt. And that's a potential fix to some of the defensive problems for short stretches. I thought Highsmith was great yesterday. So I feel like they have some fixes to that in the rotation and on the roster. The shooting is the thing that needs to come up. I, I do. I want to touch on it more as we go forward, but I want to get to Hero's numbers because you, you talked about uh, where he's doing. So let me just, I'm going to look to the side here. So if you're on YouTube, I apologize. You have to stare at my nose. But at the rim this year, he's shooting 71%. Three to 10, that's very good, actually. That's, that's, that's good. I mean, for a guy who doesn't have elite athleticism, 71% at the rim is pretty good. Dragic used to be in the mid to high 70s in his elite stage. You'll take Hero at 71%. 3 to 10 feet, he's shooting 48%. 10 to 16 feet, he's shooting 45%. That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, if you, and you, you know, shooting shooting 10 to, uh, 10 to 16 feet, 45%. He's at 32% at 16 feet to the three-point line. I never like when anybody takes those shots. Those are the shots everybody wants you to take. And he's at 38% from three. But I'm, I'm looking at – I'm going to look at last year, by the way, okay, 
Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look, just, to, just to compare here real quick, okay? Because I, I want to see that doesn't have the percentage of shots here. You can find all this on Basketball Reference if you're looking for it. But if you take a look at his shooting from last year in terms of just percentages, he's up at the rim. He was at 69% last year. He's up slightly from three to ten feet. He's up. He's up. He's about the same from ten to sixteen feet. He's down from sixteen to, uh, feet to the three-point line, and he shot the exact same percentage from three. Thirty-seven point five percent. He's shooting the exact same percentage from three. But you're right. The number of three-point shots as a percentage of his profile has gone up. The number of shots from sixteen feet to twenty-three feet has gone down. The percentages have also gone down. So that's kind of the area that you want him to stay out of. But I want him to be in that three to 10 feet, 10 to 16 feet area. Like, I, I feel like that's, again, he can get to his floater. There's a lot of different ways that he can create in there. And I liked what I saw in the last game. I just think there was a good mix. He had some threes, but he got inside also. I want to talk about the Jimmy and Bam shot profiles when we move past uh, the sponsors here. But I got two sponsors to mention. Our friends over at Prize Picks. Use code 5, F-I-V-E. You can play the NCAA tournament there play obviously the NBA season and the NBA playoffs, but they got golf, they got tennis, they got esports, they got MMA, they have NHL, they have everything there. They have the World Baseball Classic as long as it goes. Go to prize picks, use the code five F I V E, get that initial deposit matched up to hundred dollars. It's free money. They do not have rollovers. This is just rated the number one fastest growing sports app in the country. You get it from the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store, or PrizePix.com. Also our gambling partner, also legal. These are legal. These are legal. You're not gonna get stuff from offshore from us anymore, go to betteredge.com. That's betteredge, I said anymore. That's good reason for that. Betteredge.com, there, use the code 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN. We're currently running an NCAA tournament bracket there, but we run tournaments there all the time. This is peer-to-peer legal sports betting. It's legal because you're betting against others there. You're not, it's like betting against your friends. It's a social app. It's not like betting against the book. So it's totally legal. It's legal in 44 states. It's based out of Minneapolis. Go to betteredge.com. Use the code five. This is number five RSN. You get twenty dollars free to play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's talk Jimmy here a little bit, and then bam. Um, as you look at Jimmy, what, what if I was to say to you, for them to get the best possible shots, Alex, okay, not just Jimmy getting the best possible shots, but the team getting the best possible shots, what should be his approach? Honestly, I don't know what to say. Well, hold on. Than... Than, now I can see you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, excuse me. Um, I don't know what to say other than Jimmy Butler doing what he already has been doing. Like, I think he really has, you know, as he's matured as a star, as a, I, I think he's pushed his game to a degree where, you know, he is the master at what he does, right? People will, will talk about him like he's not this top level score because, you know, the points per game during the season stay low and because he supposedly can't shoot. And yeah, he's not a shooter. You're not, that's not what he's doing out there. But what if I told you that he's having his best shooting season as a Heat player this year from all different um, <laughs> shots, I mean, spots on the court? Like, he's shooting his highest percentage from three by, like, 10%, right? Not that, you know, he's taking a lot more of those, but that's one thing. He's shooting his highest percentage in the mid-range by a couple percent mm-hmm. and is tied for highest percentage at the rim uh, with last season. So mm-hmm. he's, you know... You can't say that he's declining. Not only that, it feels like he's gotten better and he just he's gotten more polished. Like I think he's getting to the free throw line just as much by the numbers. He still looks just as good defensively. And I really do think he is a better player now after all this time. And you know, and as a 33-year-old than when he first got here. And I don't know if that's an obvious thing to say or not, because you know, at that point he hadn't put up the two monster playoff runs that we now I've seen, but I just think like the way that he handle, handles himself throughout the regular season, we don't see the peak of him all the time. But when he really turns it up, I mean, he is still so good. So I don't know how much of his approach actually needs to change. Like I, I still think, you know, you can nitpick him as a as a playmaker. The fact that he doesn't make a lot of the the cross court um, passes to the weak side shooter when when that corner is open. That's something I say. You know, none of the Heat's best passers really make that pass, which can bother. That was me. the LeBron thing. Yeah, I mean, and the best passers on the in the in the league can all make that pass. But other than that, like I do think the way that he's done it is masterful. He he knows how to optimize himself in the role that he's in. He knows what he's good at. He doesn't take any bad shots. Doesn't make bad decisions. And really, I I, I think it's more about the ball movement that you were talking about um, before the ad read there. And just to piggyback onto what you were saying there, Tyler last game um, post game mm-hmm. spoke about how much the ball was just popping and, you know, was really speaking over and over about how much he loved the ball movement during that game. And I think that speaks to what you were talking about with Depot there. It's not to blame it all on him, right? But you're 100% right that the ball sticks with him. And it's one of the the struggles, I think, with him is really trying to figure out um, how to be a role player without just kind of holding on to the ball all the time. I, I don't think he's done a great job offensively with trying to, you know, balance it out. I don't think he's in a primary shot creator anymore. And 
you know, we, me and Leif did the episode about the rotation the, the night before, and Max was the one we were talking about whose minutes got cut um, during the Jazz game. But, but I said it might not be him. Like, even if they go shorter into a shorter nine-man rotation, you know, it could be somebody else. And Depot ended up being the guy. And I think, you know, we kind of get back to that point where it's like you have different tools, and it's going to be about, you know, which ones do you want to use on a particular night or for a particular matchup. And the Depot thing, we've seen now that when you take him out, you know, um, maybe you're going to lose some perimeter defense, but the ball might move around a little bit more because you don't have quite as many guys who, you know, the ball just sticks to them. And I really like Victor Oladipo. I still think he can give them something. I don't think he should be out of the rotation permanently or anything like that, but it is fair to say that the ball sticks. We talk about Vic um, in this context. He's he's had two, like, sort of stop and starts this year, right? Well, three, actually. There was training camp. And we thought he was going to be ready, and then he wasn't ready. Um, and then there was, you know, he came back again, then again out, then again out. It feels like he came back this time with a desire to do more. It felt like he was trying to fit in a little bit more before, and this time he's trying to do too much, maybe because it was Kyle was out. But I'm with you on this. I want to get back to the Jimmy numbers here, because you mentioned he's been better in every area. He, and he has been. Uh, Two-point shooting this year, he's gone from 52% last year to 55%, career high. You mentioned at the rim, 70%, t- tied with last season. Three to 10 feet, he's gone from 41% last year to 48% this year. Uh, 10 to 16 feet, 46% to 47%. 16 feet to the three-point line, I hate that shot. He's shooting 39% from there. It's pretty good. He was at 33% last season. And you mentioned the three-point shooting is up. But here's the number. Basketball reference allows you to look at average shot distance. Jimmy Butler's average shot distance this year is the lowest of his career by far, 8.3 feet. If you look early in his career, 10.4, 11.7, 14.6, 11.8, 12.0, 12.9, 12.1, 11.7, 12.3, 11.5, 10.0. That was his first year in Miami, 10.0. 9.3, 9.6, 8.3. 8. 8.3. It tells you where about. he's operating and where he's comfortable operating this season. Again, this is some of the stuff we do, and this is why I like bringing you on to talk the numbers because I'm more of an eye test guy most of the time. But there's sometimes where the eye test matches up with the stats. Like, I, I would have probably guessed that just from watching him because he feels like he's so poised now and he's waiting for the doubles to come or he's waiting for the right matchup, <clears throat> and then he's attacking. But to actually see it there that he's dropped to 8.3 <laughs> in distance, most players, when they get older, and this was the case with Braun too, they start moving away from the basket, right? They don't want to do their damage down there anymore. Jimmy has moved towards it. That's a good thing. All right, we got time for one more conversation here, and it's about Bam Adebayo. I do want to mention playback. If you haven't been on there with us, you should be. That's where you can see the stream of the game. You can still listen to, to John and to Crotty and to Reed, but you can also listen to us. We just tell stories. We tell you stuff we don't tell you anywhere else, even the winnow feed. Uh, so go to playback. Check it out. We've been doing every heat game lately, and we will be – calling uh i won't be there but greg will be there jazz santana will be there others the miami game uh the first round game of the tournament on friday at 7 30 so it starts a little bit before 7 30 it's tip so check it out go to playback.tv backslash five on the floor i want to just go real quick to bam's shot profile here because we talk about shot volume with bam but shot profile matters also okay so i'm gonna look at this year as compared to last year we will talk about the shot attempts 
I'll just ask you before I get to the numbers here. His shot profile lately, without looking at the numbers, do you like it or not? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's fine. I think we kind of know what Bam's shot profile looks like now after seeing this season and the, the growth he's taken. Now, obviously, you know, you could ask for more. He had that stretch where we talked about where he just kind of didn't look as engaged as he did throughout the rest of the season. So other than that part, like, I think he's kind of done what he's needed to. And, yeah, I think teams are going to know now, and they do know, that that shot he has, you know, in the short mid range is his bread and butter that he can get to it multiple different ways and can kind of, you know, go over the shoulder, turn around. Like, he is just very comfortable from there. The numbers do reflect that he's taken, um, you know, more mid-range attempts. That's not, you know, that's the least surprising thing. But, you know, the really good thing about it, and I, I, I know you have it there as well, it's just the mid-range numbers, the accuracy. He is shooting almost six percentage points higher in the mid-range as a whole this season than last year, despite mm-hmm. taking, you know, a good amount more volume-wise. So, it's it, you know, this is another example of the stats supporting the eye test, like, you would think maybe the percentages wouldn't be that great because he's taken so many of them. He's taken so many of those damn mid-range shots. And no, it's very, very good. And, you know, when you look at it, it's in the 74th percentile in the entire league. It's probably even higher if I filter that for um, bigs. But, yeah, I just think in general, like, Bam can still figure it out when it comes to uh, when to attack the rim versus when to take the midi. I still think he's growing you know, with those types of nuances of, of growing into a score. But we've seen the steps he's taken this year, and the numbers reflect it. So we talk about the mid-range and how he's five percentage points lower. If you actually go, if you break it down a little bit more of the mid-range, it's even better. Like you talk about his sweet spot, it's 10 to 16 feet. Um, he's shooting 50% from 10 to 16 feet. That is very high. Um, his volume of shots from 10 to 16 feet are up to 27% of his total shots. That's up from 20% last year. So as you said, more with better accuracy. That's not typically the way that it goes. One other number I want to look at because it just tells you his progression as a player. If you go from his rookie season, where of course he was playing behind the Sun White side, but you go from his rookie season to now, what percentage of his field goal attempts were dunks compared to now? 29% of his field goal attempts as a rookie were dunks. It's gone down every year, and it's now 14%. Now, Heat fans might say, you want more dunks, right? But this is the way that the offense has evolved. Because before, Bam was just a finisher. That was pretty much it. I mean, you look at that amount. He was going to get finishing plays, lobs, that kind of stuff. They put the ball in his hands more now to create for himself or get to that spot. But you also look at the percentage of field goal attempts per distance. I do want to see him allude a little bit more at the rim. Um, again, you go from his rookie season to now. 62% of his shots as a rookie were at the rim. 57% second year. 48% next year. 35% next year. 40% last year. So when ticked up, 30% this year. Only 30% of his shots are coming at the rim. So he has become more proficient in the mid-range. He's taking more shots in the mid-range. But you also want them to find a way to get him the easiest look possible, which is at the rim, because his rim percentages are still good. He's at 72% this year, down from 77 last year. But he's still, look, 72% is 72%, okay? You want to maximize that as much as possible. I mean, imagine you had guards who could find him. That's the biggest problem. So, again, he has, in a way, had to, because without the dribble handoff stuff and without guards who can find him, He's had to improvise 
to essentially find the spot on the floor where he's comfortable and he's become proficient. But no matter how proficient he gets from that spot, he's never going to be as proficient as he is inside three feet because nobody is. Right. And so that is something that they need to figure out now that he's gotten more aggressive and he's taken the bull by the horns. Okay. And taking the initiative. Now they need to find guards who can actually feed him because I, I feel, and, and we saw the hero band pick and roll look a little better yesterday. So maybe there's some growth there. Kyle coming back helps. Um, Vic not pounding the ball into the, into the floor all the time probably helps. Jimmy maybe looking for him a little bit more would help, but that is something that they're going to have to figure out as they go forward the rest of the season to the offseason is okay. Now Bam can do this other stuff. Now can we get him sort of the easy stuff that a lot of bigs get that we're not giving him? Does that make sense? For sure. I really do think it just comes down to the guard play. I, I think the season has really been just, it's, it's worse when you look at the aspect right. of feeding Bam. Like I, I, I didn't think it was this big of a problem last season. You know, maybe some of that had to do with Kyle being a little bit more on ball. I think there was a whole lot more Kyle Bam pick and roll last season than we've seen at all. You know, this season, it went from like, you know, a, a decent chunk of it, right? A decent amount of it last season to absolutely nothing, right? So maybe that's just one, that, that's one less way that you can get to him, but that doesn't account for all the other guys, right? I, I don't think the Vic Bam pick and roll um, has played out the way I wanted it to. I just don't think Vic has looked very poised as a ball handler. Like he's had his moments. He can still go out and get you four assists, even though it doesn't seem, you know, like he's not touching, holding the ball the entire time. He, He'll get you some assists sometimes. I, I just think he, he can be very erratic um, mm. and has looked less accurate um, without looking at the numbers right now, has looked less accurate as a ball. I mean, as a passer this year, it feels like he's bumbling the, the, the ball a lot more. Not, so not necessarily just on the turnovers, but with the passes as well. And, and I think that that's been the case with Gabe. You know, Gabe is fine. And I've said this before, he's like that backup um, quarterback. But, you know, he's one of those guys who – probably can't take on more in the sense of like you know he can't do that much pick and roll creation so i don't think that's that's very feasible for him and bam i think gabe is going to look to get to his spots in the mid-range if you run that gabe bam pick and roll we've seen the jimmy bam pick and roll time and time again and a lot of times it doesn't end up in the hands of bam it might you know end up with a jimmy shot a jimmy free throw or it might end up in a, an open three-point shooter taking the shot but um jimmy is not necessarily good at feeding bam and then you know, like you said, the Tyler Bam pick and roll is their best prospect at feeding him as a roller. But mm -hmm. the thing is, teams already have the, the you know, the book is out there on how to guard the Tyler Bam pick and roll. You send a little bit extra help, you put some size on Tyler, and I think, you, you, you know, you make the pass hard for him because, you know, that pocket pass, I think teams know that, that that's what he's looking for. And that's, to your point from earlier in the show, where Tyler can really get going with the floater and those little in-between shots. I think he, he's gotten really good at that. I think he's polished his game up even more in the pick and roll, you know, in that aspect. Uh, and he's spoken about it. I just think it's one of those things where if you had improved guard play, that would make things a lot easier for Bam. And that's why Brady has said this a lot too. I just think they got to get him more, um, Bam specifically, they got to get him into his spots a little bit easier where it's not give him the ball and make him do it by himself. The same way that they run plays for Jimmy, where they'll do they'll run an off-ball screen and try to mm -hmm. get him good position down low so that then he can initiate from there without having to do the work first. They should do that same stuff for Bam. And we've seen it here and there. You know, I've talked about a small guy screening for Bam in the past. You can do that off-ball. You don't necessarily have to do it with Bam on the ball. And so, you know, get him in good positions. And I think 
that's really the best way to do it at this point because I don't think there is any upside for Bam to get easy points as a roller. And that's just kind of the sad state of it because he is such a damn good roller. But I think they've kind of maxed out in that aspect. In that aspect, so you have to, I think, make things easier for him otherwise as a scorer. Priority in the offseason, get a guard who can throw him a pass consistently and wants to. That's it's, Those are the two things uh, that need to happen. Thanks to Alex. Thanks to all of our viewers. Thanks to our sponsors, c-armandstaffing.com or mobile staffing services. Uh, and also, uh, check out, again, Playback. We're going to be on there for the UM game. So go there and check it out and hang out with us. Or just reading something here. mobile c-armand staffing services. I apologize. And also, betteredge.com. Get on there. Make your bets against your friends and all that good stuff. I will be talking to Howard Beck on Friday, formerly of Sports Illustrated, Bleacher Report, a bunch of other players, very uh, one of my one of my best friends in the business, actually, just a great national NBA writer. So we're going to talk about the Heat and where they stand at the Eastern Conference and whether they can challenge any of these other teams. He's actually at the Sacramento game tonight. So we're going to talk to him tomorrow. Uh, Howard Beck here on Five on the Floor. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.